Hey, it's Nick Walters again with the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest, a podcast brought to you by the National Hemp Growers Cooperative. And we have been so excited, flat out just tickled to death, to know that we have consistently brought really great um, content and people uh, to the podcast to talk about uh, the hemp industry. And we've done it yet again. And here we are again, being able to talk to uh, movers and shakers and playmakers within the industry. Jacob Waddell um, with the newly formed Hemp Building Institute is here uh, to talk to more about what that is all about and what's on the agenda and what's coming ahead uh, as far as the Hemp Building Institute. Jacob, welcome. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, we know that you have, uh, uh, as my grandmother used to say, been around the bookstore once or twice uh, uh, as it relates to things within the within the industry and particularly as it relates to the use of hemp um, uh, in building material and what that looks like and uh, what it doesn't look like and what it is and what it ain't. Right. And so this is a great next chapter uh, for the industry as things continue to evolve. But before we get to that. Tell us a little bit about your background um, and and including that, what your uh, what we call your hemp aha moment uh, at the time when you went, this is some really cool stuff. I'm really digging this hemp stuff. So throw that into the mix as well. OK, um, so I'll try to give the shortened version of my background and everything. Um, basically. When I grew up, went to school for material science and engineering, focusing on plastics, um, really kind of got into knowing thermodynamics and the knowledge of materials going together and working together in composites, did some master's work in that at the at Georgia Tech um, down in Atlanta. Uh, then left, went some traveling, came back, did some engineering, blah, 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 blah. Um, so then all this ends up with me in the automotive industry. And uh, I was making fuel uh, car parts for um, the the evaporation system from the engine. Basically, it's called car it's carbon canisters. Anyway, they, they lower your uh, emissions, um, I guess, yeah, emission systems. Um, yeah, working 60 hours a week, dealing a lot with international people and realized that what am I doing with my life? And, um, you know, just got my master's uh, while I was working there and my MBA. And I was um, looking around for how I could be a positive effect on the planet around me. The And uh, started working on concepts of extracting plastics from the water, the oceans. The, re the reality is I, I have a plastics background. I know what plastics are. I also know the the good intention, I believe, that was in it when it was created and something that was created that has done something completely different than expected. The, the fact is that plastics can do amazing things and have amazing properties that no other material on earth has. And that has allowed for amazing advances in technology and the healthcare system. But single-use plastics and other types of plastics have gone in the direction of creating something that isn't supposed to break down, which is a positive and very important in certain situations, but a negative when we're talking about the creation of garbage. Um, so I was trying to figure a way to work that out, uh, realized that um, changing the things we used 
was the best way to do it. Because no matter how much garbage or plastics we took out of the ocean, we were creating more and more every year. So the real, the real solution was stopping it at the tap. And it was to try to look at alternative materials. Digging around, I come across hempcrete. And I guess this is my aha moment <laughs> is I'm digging around. I'm like, all right, where's the answer? What am I going to find? And I find hempcrete and then realize that this is a material that has been not heavily developed for decades, for 70, 80 years. Honestly, didn't really come into common usage again. Well, usage at all into like the eighties and in France, and then kind of got became more common. But there was an extreme amount of potential with this material and this kind of technology, and it could replace stuff that is very destructive to the earth. So that was my aha moment, my move. And then at that point, I gave it. I gave like six weeks notice. I gave a lot of time because I didn't have a job <laughs> afterwards, and was like, I'm leaving the automotive industry to go do this. And um, then I ended up playing with stuff in my garage, got some lime, got some hemp, started messing around with it. Um, ended up going to the the hemp building summit in uh, in in Idaho. Um, that was an amazing event, very eye opening. A lot of people in the community first kind of getting together in the U.S. There, um, that kind of gave me a burst and showed me what the USHBA was. And the beginning of that next year. I became involved in the USHBA as part of the regional leaders program, um, was on the, well, I was kind of a fly on the wall in the, um, I don't know, the executive committee, I guess, of that group or whatever, that there was a chairman, a vice chair and a secretary, and then me. Um, and then <laughs> slowly I took over secretary and then eventually, you know, I got on the board and, and then became president and, and then, um, uh, eventually like executive director. And over the last two years, I've been really trying to push forward and pump and build up this association using this corporate background I had working in the automotive industry and really try to put some of those principles and, and clean things up and move things forward. And I'm really glad and really proud of how the USHBA and, and later the US Hemp Building Foundation have developed and grown and become a very effective part of our industry and, uh, and of our community. Um, and so during that time, I guess the, the, one of the major highlights along with just the development of our industry and the, and the networking was, um, the submission of the international residential code appendix for hemp lime and hempcrete, um, yes. which I was able to guide forward, um, with a group of, you know, we, we start, it, it started with one then then two, then four, then six, then nine then 30. Um, and you know, we, we got it done and we got it done in a very collaborative way. Um, you know, um, uh, I always have to say something about Mary here. Mary Dempsey was an, is incredible help. Um, Kiko Thabo was, was amazing. And we had some experts come in from like the straw bale and straw clay and Adobe industries, um, as consultants that really, uh, Martin Hammer and David Eisenberg, and then, um, Anthony Dente on the, the engineering side. Um, so it was. It's amazing. Um, and did you have a question? You want me to just keep rolling? No, keep trucking, baby. You're doing it. I mean, no, I get. It. I mean, that's. I mean, but those are things as it related to getting into the code and what a huge thing that is. And we can we can touch on that a little bit because I want us to tell us more about how you got to the spot that to actually create the Hemp Building Institute as as uh, how that fit into the greater bigger picture. 
Absolutely. So a- as we grow um, and the, the industry is growing, um, there's a lot of work to do. And, you know, it, it, as much as you know, I think a lot of people just want to like go, I'm going to do everything and charge forward and take everything on. The, the fact is that if you look at more robust developed industries, there there's sectioning of the work that's getting done and um, and the focus. And this is what really drives it forward. You don't have one company in an industry. You have half a dozen companies, a dozen companies, because you need that competitive argument. And you, you know, if you have the, cons- the customers and the consumers, you get that. And so this is just kind of a way of looking at um, a developing industry. And so, you know, I was really proud and happy with my time at the USHBA and the USHBF. Um, it's really, again, a hub of all of our different players and shows our numbers. In, in the end, my background and what I feel most comfortable doing is the science side and really mm-hmm. pushing forward what I think are the critical pieces of making our push into the mainstream industry. And so in order to be able to fulfill that, um, I created the Hemp Building Institute and am trying to focus my energy there to move forward these major pieces. Uh, Meanwhile, I'm still a very proud and um, supportive member of the USHBA and the USHBF. And I think it's extremely critical that we have that place, that hub, that, that networking center for our industry, because there's power in numbers. And in, in the end, that is going to be very influential when we talk about legislature and other people taking us seriously. So that's kind of... No, no, that's, that's right. And so um, the Hemp Building Institute is a... Um, on its way to becoming a 501c3 uh, nonprofit, correct? I mean, you're a state nonprofit now, but you you are moving towards being giving that IRS designation as 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 a 501c3, right? Yeah, technically speaking, we're a 501c3. We have that submitted with the IRS, but the IRS also has this form you need to fill out within 27 months of your creation of your organization. Right. And we're working on that document. Again, technically speaking, we don't need it for another year or two, but we're uh, the way I work, the way I, I like to do things is if I can take care of it now, let's take care of it now and let's oh, get sure, it. Sure, sure. Away. So, yeah, we are it's we're, headed that way. This is not a private. Uh, corporation that is just uh, 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 Jake and Buds. This is this is this is a, a, an organization who's going to be able to focus in on doing that research, being able to do the R and D, being able to report those things, and be able to be a conduit for dialogue and conversation, particularly as it relates back to well, how do you know that? How do I really know it's going to work? How do I understand what this is about? How do we take standards? That maybe are standards that are okay in Europe, but but how do we translate that to standards in the United States? And so um, uh, the U.S. Hemp Building Association, and like you, I'm proud to be a part of it. I you know currently serve as the uh, one of the regional uh, directors, and uh, the the way that I see this is really being able to work is from a trade association like the U.S. Hemp Building Association going out and spreading the good word, letting people know this is what it is and letting them know how it works, that there's really a cool stuff that hemp can be involved in building material. And that's going to 
get you to a whole lot of people to get it on their radar screen. But when it gets down to the technical pieces, for the folks who are really, really going to want to understand the building material, the science behind it, what are the standards that we use? How do I, let's just take hempcrete, hemp lime as an example. How do I know is, can you burn it? Can you light it up? Can you not? Can you kick it? Can you chunk at it? What is it? They're going to want to know the science part of that. That's really not the role of the building association to necessarily be the one to answer those things. As the association, what we want to be able to do is rely on people like you and others that understand the science so that when the when the building inspectors want to understand what that means, uh, the building material science people at a university that are teaching students about how to be able to use these building materials, they're going to want to talk more than just talking about how great it's going to be talking to somebody like Nick, right? Or you talk to an architect, they really want to be able to understand those things much better. And there's got to be a conduit, a place, a, a, a portal, if you will, where all that information is housed and is able to be understood. And that's what I see as part of the value of what the Hint Building Institute is going to be able to do is to be that place uh, to find that info. So I, I, I can kind of talk about like what what I see today. Yeah. As, as for us doing it is a lot of, you know, coordination, a lot of um connecting pieces um you know right now we've been in some international conversations you know with the the europeans um you know we, we i have previous relationships with, with the canadians and i'll be up in canada for the chta um conference here in a couple of weeks and then i'll be over in, in thailand and getting into the the asian community and kind of getting that international perspective and trying to get a global climate a lot of things um that's part of it right now. I, I, I mean, definitely we can talk about, you know, like carbon calculations is a big thing and to have a unified carbon calculation argument not only allows for um, people to accept the carbon calculations from Europe to the US. Uh, for, uh, for instance, I've heard that there's, there's issues with that in certain commodities right now, and that's a problem. And, you know, then there's also alignment, let's say with maybe if we get to the actual carbon credit cap part of it, um having those aligned because right now you can't sell into different markets because again those there's not an alignment between the US markets and the European markets etc um so these these are crucial international things and things that we can help put pictures to get like pieces together in the future what i dream of is having testing equipment and having a facility where people can be like, you know, here's a mix, prove the mix is satisfactory to be used in operation. And we can do that at a discounted rate and at a, at a benefit to our industry, because to us, it is important to move the industry forward. It is important to move it forward, but in a safe and controlled manner, because right. nobody wants failures. And um, so that, that I think is where in the future, we could be a key part. Um, that's a little more expensive to get the equipment, get building, yeah, well. et cetera. So right now we're just doing the the um, the side we can do and building up. Um, so yeah, we're going to be. It's the United Labs for hemp as part of what it gets to be. There gets to be some third party verifier that is able to say, okay, now we find out that we can actually. We thought we could be able to use hemp in X Y Z application. But until somebody proves that X, Y, and Z application is going to work and we're not all going to, you know, lose a limb or, you know, have our have something squirrely go, we got to know that if somebody says it will work this way, somebody's got to be able to have a kind of a third party verification to go, yeah, it really will work that way. Or yeah. 
if it doesn't work in the way that you start, then maybe you go back to the drawing board and you're able to tinker with it some more until it does get to that spot. But as of right now, there's no one place to do all of that. There's kind of different folks that do it, and you have to kind of expect and accept what they've done in their world. It's going to be a heck of a lot easier, just like getting the codes put into place. Once that happens and there's uniformity, then that helps people be able to move the industry forward. Yeah. So when we talk about hempcrete, that yes. get to a very diverse range of binders, and we have some real push for carbon calculations. And if you deal with carbon calculations, the biggest negative that usually occurs is the limes. There's a lot of discussion about um, other binders that maybe have a smaller footprint or can perform differently. And the fact is that we don't have the necessarily background research and testing to prove out these new clay bases or, uh, or other bases. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's things like that. And it, especially if there becomes more of a push for more localized products, more localized inputs, that'll mean that there's a larger requirement for testing. Because if you're not using the same binder mix, you're not going to have the same results. You can't be dependent on the same test results. And so if you want to have like a, a, a very hyper-localized binder mix, that's using whatever's in the ground around you, you may need to retest that just to make sure it's safe. And sure. that's where I could see us being um, helpful and, and impactful in the future. So really kind of allowing people to have access to the testing you would get from an R&D department without having to have a gigantic R&D department that these larger companies can have. How did just, and, and if this is, if this is not something that you've dug into enough, and it's it, um, don't hesitate to say I'm not exactly sure. But um, uh, let's just take you talked about like straw bale, right? What 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 does that mean to somebody that doesn't understand what we're talking about straw bale? And then as it makes building material, and how did groups like that come along and be able to get in, integrated and in part of the code and things like that too? Are those similar paths? that hemp is able to follow the way they did it, but yet using our material, or is it totally a different critter? I mean, that's that's that was our strategy with the building codes. That is our strategy in general. We're actually trying to collaborate and work with these groups. Uh, we have connections a lot that were developed during the, the development of the building code or the residential code um, with the straw bale communities. Okay, so straw bale in general is a bale of straw that you put in and you stack to create a wall structure. Uh, like a hay bale? Like a hay bale, yes. Okay. But it normally, it normally it's rectangular. There's actually some definition on the sizes that are in um, the actual residential code and the building code. Mm-hmm. Uh, but absolutely, we're we're trying. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're trying to take what exists and adapt it with the necessary changes. Um, this is the shortest path, and you know the most logical one because the sooner mm-hmm. you get complex differences between things that are not that different the more arguments you're going to have, the more inconsistencies and in calculations, um, really the detriment to any working system. And when we look at a lot of these things, they're still developing. And if we make them confusing, they will stay confusing. But if we can make them simple, we will make forward progress and everyone will start to understand. Um, it, it's true with natural building. It's true with the carbon calculation world. It's definitely true with hemp building. Um, and it's, it's just trying to make it easier. 
to understand. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, right. Why, why go, why go charge up some hill and try to chart some, chart some, some uh, pathway if there's already been a pathway that's already been shown that it will work. We're just adjusting it for the things that would be a different material. And that's a, that's a really cool opportunity. Um, so let's talk a second about hempcrete, though. Uh, hempcrete, hemp lime, as it relates to these, to the codes. And I know, um, as you talked about it at the beginning, you were super involved in all of that, taking the lead on all of that. Um, so you get things, but, but ultimately, there's got to be a group of people who agree with you on the science of what this, of, of, of what the material itself will do or will not do. Right. Uh, So we're not talking about a bunch of folks that have to agree that the marketplace is good or that the need might be there. At the end of the day, they got to be able to know if I put this stuff in a wall in my house, that my teeth not going to fall out, you know, six months later because of some material or that my wall's going to stay up or that I'm, you know, you could really stand behind what these things are that you say uh, that they can do. Um, uh, What are because you've done those things and because a lot of that work has already been done, help us understand better about what what's going to happen in the next couple of months as it relates to the codes and actually coming into being approved. And how does that help me in my local jurisdiction if I want to make sure I'm going to I want to go out and put hempcrete in my house? OK, so um, that's a lot. I don't know. I know. But, but understanding uh, the 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 codes process. Um, it, Every jurisdiction basically has autonomy to decide whatever they want to decide. Jurisdictions in this country are separated sometimes by state, but often by county and sometimes even as small as city related jurisdictions. Um, In general, to simplify that whole thing in the 70s, they created a unified group, which is called the International Code Council, to try to basically give basically model codes. Um, it's, it's model codes and, and it, they require adoption. So we have been accepted by the ICC. We still need to be adopted into different communities and different groups. There will be some effort to target certain states that are especially influential. But in the end, if you're in a jurisdiction and you want something built, what you what you should do, what you can do is use that this has been adopted. This has been accepted by the ICC. Here is a code. Will you adopt this or will you be able to follow through on this? And this is like a simple way. Now, our suggestion, our hope is that if you're going in that direction, going that far, either to contact and reach out to us at the HBI or to contact the US HBA or potentially both so that we know what's happening and that we can help if you need help. Um, previously you had to do an alternative material variance, which basically you had to bring in a whole package of materials explaining why this material is as good as other materials, but hopefully we can circumvent that step with this new code. But right now it's not adopted into any jurisdiction. So we, we still need to make that next step. And, um, so those were one-offs, as we might call those other. We go and look at the hempcrete homes that were built in North Carolina or Florida or somewhere other places that, have, that a lot of folks have been able to kind of wave the flag on, things that our, our, our good friend Tim Callahan's done and others that have done. Those got one-off approved for that particular structure, for that spot, for that place, for that particular use. 
They went through all the process of what it took to get a local building authority either to give you a variance of some kind, or they said, yeah, you can, but if it all falls down, don't call us or something, right? That they just got to go through that. The codes now, standards done, understand that the standard approval, but each of these jurisdictions then have to approve or adopt those uh, updates into their code. You go to Florida, like you and I have learned before, you go to Florida, there's one state Florida building commission, you get it all done at once, okay? You turn around and go to Connecticut, it's each township, okay? It's gonna have to sign off on it. So that's just kind of the uh, the good and the bad of having 50 different states, right? Because they all kind of do things the way that they wanna do it. But there's at least some standards that, that they can accept. Well, hmm, if you've already gotten it through the International Residential Code and the ICC and you've done that, that at least gives me comfort level, so we hope, right, that be able to know we're at least that much further along. It doesn't mean there's still not going to be some building authority or some other group that's going to say, ah, I think I'm a lot from Missouri. I think you need to have to prove this to me a little bit more, even than with that. And at that point in time, that's where the uh, uh, Building Institute could be so much help because you will be able to talk, you know, technical to technical to them in a language that they would understand where somebody like myself, who might be the one trying to talk to that building commission, I'd end up talking to the mayor and the mayor would end up saying, well, why don't you go talk? You got to talk to my building folks and my building folks are not going to be impressed that Nick doesn't know doodly squat of what he's talking about. As far as the material, it goes, Nick's able to get Jake on speed dial and say, Hey, this is coming up pretty soon. Can you come and talk to these folks at this jurisdiction so we can move that forward? I mean, that's kind of the way we're seeing that this opportunity is there for not only the Hemp Building Institute, but also as it very much relates back to the Hemp Building Association. Absolutely. Am I missing something? Okay. No, no. And I mean, the key things for anybody that's going into this situation is having any pushback. I mean, we are not telling them what to do. Sure. We need to ask them what they need from us to move forward. That's smart. We have a good accepted, you know, this has been accepted by the the ICC. This is the the standard body that all, you know, your standards come through for the most part. So they, they feel confident. What do we need to make you feel confident? Is there a gap there? And how do we fill that? Do we need to run a certain test? Do we need certain test results you need to see? Whatever it is, and that's that's the conversation. That's the conversation I'll be having with anybody um, if you get me on the phone. And that's right. really the conversation we all need to be having: is cooperative, um, not combative. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think that's I think that's how we work through it, and that's how right. we start getting this adopted around the country. And the more adopted it is, the more other areas will adopt it. It's it's kind of a um, uh, like a snowball effect, I believe, as we move forward. So, um, you know, we, we know of some people that are working on it right now in, um, in New Mexico and I'm really proud mm-hmm. to hear about that. Um, uh, there's a whole team out there. Alex Sexsmith is one of the people, um, that is, is kind of leading that charge. Um, and that, right. that's the kind of stuff we need. We need people, um, around because the fact is there's, a lot of jurisdictions. There's more than 50 there. You know, we're talking about hundreds here. So that's a lot for a single person or single group to handle. But if, um, if we can all do our part and then when, when you hit that wall and you need help, you know, pulling, you know, the, the outside guns, um, I think we can make a lot of progress and I think we can really too. 
I do too. It's really cool to know about. All right. So if folks want to know more about the uh, Hemp Building Institute, want to get in line on the things I know that are, as far as um, marketing material and kind of um, website development and things like that are still uh, progressing as far as that. But how do people contact you if they want more information? Okay. Um, so do contact me. It's it's Jacob at hempbuildinginstitute.org. Uh, O-R-G. All, spot, all spelled out, right? Hemp Building Institute yes. O-R-G, right. Absolutely. So that that's the easiest way to email me directly. I uh, want to make clear we're not a member's organization. There, there's none of that. Um, you know, we, we will uh, be open to collaboration. So we, we kind of see, as with every business, we kind of see a couple different customers, if you will. Um, you know, and, and an organization, one is donors for us and, um, you know, really trying um, to get help there. And the other is collaborators and seeing if there's projects coming forward that you think we could be useful and, and help you move forward. We definitely want to hear about that and see if, if that aligns. Um, right now, we have a very, let's say, small group, um, <laughs> but we expect as things move forward that it'll grow. And so we'll be able to handle more and more work. Uh, but I mean, in the end, we all just need to keep moving the industry forward and keep keep pushing things forward and uh, just be excited about the growth. Um, it's, yeah. We're getting there. Heck yeah. Yeah. So for folks who say, I love what you're doing, here's a check. You're open for that. And for other folks who say, hey, I'm working on a project right now. Would you like to collaborate and come along with us as we're doing this work? You're open for that, too. And so those how that goes forward and what that looks like. All of that gets to be taken care of on a case by case basis and, and moving that uh, uh, forward to help the industry is very much a part of what the Hemp Building Institute is all about. Absolutely. Yeah. We, there we, we go. Terrific. Yeah. Don't want to Take put it down. Yep. Thank you so much for being a part of that, uh, of, our, of our podcast today. If you are interested in learning more about the National Hemp Growers Cooperative and our commitment to building wealth for our members through regenerative agriculture and sustainable development. You can go back to our website at nationalhempcoop.us and learn more about what's going on there. Uh, until next time, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.